You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is some of my best friends are Kabbalists. I'm Aprom Kipolevich, and I'm here with Arav Nosen Notaglik from Ashkelon, Eretz Yisrael. Arav Nosen, it's Chaydish Nissen, or Chaydish Nissen, Benissen, Asidin, the Gula hopefully is right around the corner, and we are going to inhabit the spirit of Gula as we enter into uh, the Chaga Pesach, no matter what. Uh, whether it uh, it will be the Gula, as many people thought last year, uh, or we will once again wrap ourselves in the ideas of redemption, of revelation, of once again experiencing the creation story of the Jews, which, of course, is Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Um, there is no way that um, that story can be disconnected from um, the Kabbalistic perspective, which is, of course, getting to know God, being part, God entering so much like with the Mechinus Malchus entering into, into the world, so to speak, um, playing this active role. And I know that some of the themes that we've talked about in the episodes previously in terms of the names of God, the letters, and uh, obviously play a role here as well. Um, before we started recording, you mentioned to me that, uh, that you wanted to um, zero in on, on, on some texts that, for many people, spell the process of Itzias Mitzrayim, which, of course, is the beginning of Parshas Ve'eha. Uh, where we have the four terms of of redemption, the four uh, verbs that are used, which we know are um, uh, the, the basis for the four cups of wine that we drink in the Seder, and, and generally a, a sort of a roadmap for our the historical progression. But there's something even before that, right? Before even the four terms, there's, of course, the, the key phrase, which I think I'm going to set you up for, which is that Ve'ela starts, of course, with El Avram, El Yitzchak, El Yaakov, Ve'keel Shakai, or Ve'el Shaddai, Ushmi Hashem, or Shmi Adonai, Lo Nadati Lahem. So, I think that's where you wanted to really talk about the Shmi Adonai, of course, the Yud Kei Vav Kei. So, I think I've set the table, the Seder table for you. Why don't you uh, uh, let the light shine forth? Hmm. Well, you know, before I, before I do that, I will just say a few, a few words as quickly as possible about the joys and wonders of living in Eretz Israel. Okay. We picked up our matzahs at the supermarket. A box half a kilo of uh, of mahadrin mina mahadrin shmura matzah, all nicely wrapped and everything. And you buy it in the supermarket, and we, you know, and, and we're living in Ashkelon, which is not a city that is like you know Bnei Brak, Yerushalayim, or some some sort of Haredi uh, enclave. It's a very you know ordinary ordinary Israeli city. So that's in my book, that's pretty special. I, I like that, you know, and. Um, you know when we had to when we had to do some tefillas kalim for some for some stuff that we bought. So uh, my wife was able to 
drive me over to the nearest mikveh where there is a special tefillah keli mikveh. It's open 24-7. You just, you know, kind of open up the gateway, walk in there in the dark and start dunking kalim at, uh, at uh, 12, 12.30 in the morning. Okay, so that's also something that, uh, you know, doesn't happen doesn't happen everywhere in the world so i think you know you can't get that at fort riley so easily no no although i knew i knew where the spring was in fort riley so you know but you had to be careful not to fall in (laughs) i'm surprised that uh you know abolist that you are that you haven't gotten a mikvah right in your home right i'm sure there's a uh you know the, the great cab, most Mukubalim always want a mikvah close by, right? They want to be able to, yeah. uh, to be tovil. Um Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, again, we know many people have actually commented to me, Ashkelon, what's he doing in Ashkelon? Like, Ashkelon? Like when people will hear that, uh, you know, on the other program, of course, I do from my friend from Eretz Yisrael, uh, Dr. Sam Juni, I always say, Yerushalayim, Yerakadish. And of course, Ashkelon is not known as like you say, a bastion of of Haredi world. In fact, uh, it's probably you know, sort of a gri- it's sort of a gritty type of town, isn't it? Um, oh no, it's not. I mean, it's not gritty. It's not like I don't know, Dimona, perhaps. Uh-huh. Like you know, it's it's very well. It's very nice. It's very well built up. It's actually quite attractive as far oh, as Israelis so? Israeli towns go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but um. There's some there's some biblical history here, by the way. You know, there's a reason why they have a uh, they have a neighborhood called Shimshon, and they have a cab company called Shimshonim, and um, and the one of the local beaches, which is by the way not the Frum Beach, <laughs> is called Chof Delila, right? <laughs> okay, so ah. you know, so Shimshon Shimshon is hanging around over here somewhere, and there's there's a, there's a tiny bit of connection actually between Shimshon and and uh, and Ashkelon. Or Shimshon, since we're being correct, um, that um, when he needed to pay off his gambling debt to the to his Shajvinin um, for his first wife, so he went to Ashkelon. And he and he um, killed twenty people, I believe, and and uh, took their clothing and passed that on to the people who he had promised clothing to if they found out his riddle, which, by the way, connects to what we were speaking once upon a time about, uh, you know, Minha Ochel Yatsa Machal. Right, sure. Minha Azma Toik. Right. So, yeah. Well, again, uh, so I, 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 yeah, I think it is beautiful, but in a way, um, you know, every community is desperate for an identity, you know, uh, and, and therefore, yeah. <laughs> you know, again, I, I don't want to pour water on your on your fire but okay you know they need to do something you know there's there's a city called metropolis uh illinois uh, i believe and they decided you know they were called metropolis before uh, siegel and schuster uh invented their character superman but once metropolis illinois became uh you know they oh let's get let's get a superman statue here so i i i think it's wonderful that there's a civic pride and you're right it's there's one thing to be connected to some you know dc character you know in red tights another thing to be connected to to the actual biblical strong man the actual superman of of, of tanakh yeah. but you know yeah i you know I, I i i think it is wonderful and and when i go to eretz Yisrael, 
I love seeing the street names and that there is a, a sense, even in the most irreligious place, there's a sense of the pride of our history of what we represented and, uh, and what have you. And that they is dug up the original, they dug up the original Plishti gateway leading into the city. Dug it up. It's fascinating. Mostly because the door to that gate would have been no bigger than the average door that you would have on a, uh, on a regular residence. And it's a very, very small gate. Very big walls, very small gate, which kind of also leads some credence to the idea that the, that the Shemeshon would have been comfortably able to tear the door off the city walls of Aza and run with them up to a hill overlooking Hebron. Now, that's a, that's a long way to go, by the way. That's like a, at least like, you know, an hour and a quarter by car, I think. Um, and he did it on foot, schlepping, schlepping this gate, which would have been heavy, but of course, not, you know, not impossibly heavy because you see these, you know, city gates were actually kind of small and tidy little things. Um, so I learned that just by walking around the park area here and taking a look at the old uh, Philistine. Maybe, maybe that is a, uh, a topic for. Uh, yeah, uh, different. Whatever. Let's get back to the topic. I will, I, I will say again, Shimshon, and I have, uh, I, when I was in my short stint as a Murad Astra, as a Rav Rishul, I used Shimshon as my um, Shabbos Chuvah Drosha. And Shimshon is clearly, you know, uh, obviously the greatest story in Tanakh is David HaMelech's story. The greatest complete story. Yosef, of course, is is powerful. Yosef, but the greatest single story in terms of growth, development, and character, and, and ups and downs, and pain and frustration and you know interesting uh resonating for our time is, is obviously the story of david and that's why david represents humanity but i would say shimshon is one of the top stories of in tanakh uh, in terms of fascinating uh, his his origin his life um his life loves and deaths um i've always noted that that you know, in, in, in the in Slichos and Piyutim, even among the Spartan, you know, we 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 beg for God to intercede on us on behalf of Pinchas, on behalf of of Aharon, and even Bila and Zilpa get mentioned uh, in, in in the Sephardi liturgy. Um, and Shimshon uh, is only mentioned, as far as I know, on in the Hoshana Rabba uh, liturgy. Uh, from the Misfarden. The only time we say save us on behalf, you know, invoking his greatness, it took a very special moment <laughs> to be able to to bring Shimshon to light. And I think he definitely deserves uh, a lot of itbonanut. Uh, yeah. Especially from a, a Hasidic or, you know, antinomian standpoint. Antinomian. <laughs> Well, here he yeah. was, really going into the klipa, really, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. More than it was. Uh, okay, but let's go from Shimshon back the, to the back, yeah, to, back the to the Lord topic. Itself. Back to the topic. <clears throat> so, there's a. Um, how much did you pay for your matzah, by the way? <laughs> That's the big question. How how um, cheaper is matzah there than it is here? <laughs> I know. I 
paid a hundred shekels, I think, somewhere in the, somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred shekels. So figure twenty bucks. Twenty bucks 20 for how bucks, many pounds? Twenty bucks for half a half a kilo. I don't know how it. I how many pounds is a kilo? Go anyway. Someone who is mathematically inclined to go figure that one out. It's a it's a it's a tidy little box. It'll get me and my wife through through. Uh, Sounds like you know, all seven days. All seven days of Pesach. Remember that seven days of Pesach. All right. I think we should. I think we should just, you know, send this to Nefesh to Nefesh. This recording, and <laughs> that's what this is. If you want some propaganda, move to Israel, even Ashkelon. We go to the Ashkelon supermarket, and yeah, the beaches. The beaches yeah. are beautiful. But go ahead again. Beaches right, and sneeches. Okay. The sneeches on the beaches. Let's hear about what's going on in in in, in Parshas Vayera. Go ahead. Yes, impartial error. So there's a it seems to be a subtext within the whole story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, you know, because when a Kaddish, when a Kaddish Baruch Hu first reveals himself to Moshe Rabbeinu, he comes b'shem Ekye, Aleph, uh, Aleph Hey and Yud, and Hey, right, and um, and that's how he introduces himself to Bnei Yisrael, say that you know Ekye has uh, sent me to you, and then later on it switches like in a a pasuk later, it switches Ekya to Yudke Vavke. Right. So the difference in Ekya and Yudke Vavke is that Ekya is I will be in the future tense. Right. And Yudke Vavke is some sort of conglomeration of Hoya uh, Hayve and Yihye, which is you know was will was is and will be. Right. And then when you get to the you know when you get to to the beginning of Parshas um, Vaera, after after Hakadosh Baruch Hu uh, apparently disappointed Moshe Rabbeinu and and uh, and Moshe is all upset, so Hakadosh Baruch Hu comes to him and says, you know, Anoichi, is there an Anoichi there or any? It's Ani or Anoichi. I don't have a Chumash open in front of me. It's a bunch of Anis. It says um, Okay, so it says, so I saw Kaddish Baruch Hu comes and says, I am Yud Kevavke. which connects directly to Leil Hasedah because you have the Arbalishness of Geula, you have Arbakoisis, and I, we, I think uh, I should point out, which is, I'm, I'm sure that, you, I mean, I know that you know this, right? is, that, is that the Arbakoisis are not really, I mean, there's a Medrash that connects them to Arbalishness of Geula, but Arbalishness of Geula does not seem to be the, the active reason why you have Arbakoisis. Each, each Kais has a, has a very distinct activity that goes along with it. The first Kais is for Kiddush. The second Kais is for, um, is for uh, Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. The third is Birka Samozin. And the fourth is, um, is for Hallel. Okay. And um, so part of the part of the takon of of Leila said there is to have is to have each one of the major speaking activities, you know, each one of the Pesach, as in speaking mouth, yes. uh, activities uh, be Again, that's, recited that's a, over that's a Zoharic, over a Shabracha. That's a Zoharic pun, right? I think the Zohar yeah. is the source for that. Pesach is Pesach, like the mouth. Pesach, of the right? Right. 
So, but anyway, I'll call upon him the the switch between Kel Shakai of Tkufas Ovois and and um, and Shem Havaya of uh, the time of Gulas Mitzrayim seems to be, you know, seems to be something that is germane to the whole, um, you know, to the whole experience of Pesach. Right. And uh, so it is reasonable to ask, so what's going on? You know, what is, how does how does all this hang together? And um, there's a very well-known Ramban there. I think it's one of the one of the most well-known Rambans, um, where he begins where he begins by quoting the Ibn Ezra. And he, say, he says about the Ibn Ezra that the Ibn Ezra is kemisnabe ve'enoyideyamamisnabe. You know that he's that he's somebody who has a vision or a prophecy, but he doesn't doesn't know quite the interpretation of it. But uh, during the during the, the period of the Avais, HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared as one who is Shoded HaMarachos. You know, he, he um, manipulates or overpowers the system. Right? And, and therefore, the, what happened to the Avais was, was a result of some sort of intervention by HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the system of reality, because reality is a system, but you know, but Hakadosh Baruch Hu is being is able to um, manipulate the system or override the system on occasion, right? But then, when you get to Gulas Mitzrayim, Gulas Mitzrayim requires a a set of miracles which are not within the system. And also, which is why you have to go back to Shem Yud Kevavke, because Yud Kevavke indicates the origin of being, right? And therefore, the origin of being is not is not uh, contingent upon the system. So it's not a matter of Hakadosh Baruch Hu figuring out a way to override the system or tweak the system in such a way that it provides things that are that are uh, not within the strict logic of it. This is creating realities within the system that the system does not, cannot even possibly account for. Right? And that requires you give up. And therefore, this is where you really discover that the system is mechudash and not, and not, uh, uh, not eternal. And the big, the big thing that defines Torah and Yahadut in the time, in, the, in, in that particular period of time, in the time of the Rishonim, and, and perhaps earlier than that, is the question of whether the universe is constant and uh, eternally existing, in other words, maybe it, it exists and has no beginning and no end, or whether the universe has actually been created. Okay? And believing in God doesn't necessarily mean that the universe is created, it simply means that the, that, um, as one Hasidic Rebbe once, once pointed out, I think it was Rabbi Herschel Mizidichaiver, who said that the relationship, according to the ancient philosophers like Aristotle and all the rest, the relationship between God and the universe is the relationship between the sun and the shadow cast on the ground by a stick. All right. So that means that the there's no intentional relationship between the creator and the created universe. It's, a, it's an unintentional relationship insofar as the origin of all being exists. Therefore, the universe exists. But it's not a choice. It's not a. It's not an activity of creation. 
It's just a state of being. So it could be the yes, there's a universe. It could be no, there's a universe. It happens to be that there's a universe, but whatever there happens to be has, has no specific time in which it comes into being. My Shane can, if you think of creation as an, as, an, as an intentional act on the part of a creator who desires a certain result, okay, so then the universe comes into being at a particular time. And that is the, and that's the, the Chiddush that we get out of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and that's the Chiddush that reconnects you to the to Bria Sa'ilam, which is why Bria Sa'ilam and, and Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim are, are, uh, are closely related to each other. Uh, so, you, you know, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is itself Zecher, or excuse me, Shabbos itself, which commemorates the, the Bria, is Zecher Li Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, because the two things really add up to the same um, to the same point, and that's pretty much, I think, what the what the Ramban gets out of the gets out of the Ibn Ezra. Right? And that's also um, reflected, of course, in the um, in the first of the Ten Commandments, or if you whether it's a command or not is a question. But right. right, not God, the Creator of the world, but God who took them out of Mitzrayim, which is tantamount to the creator of the world, right? This gives God his identity for Klal Yisrael. The, right. right. And, uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, what's interesting, I think, it, you know, we talk about the Marocha, and you know, this is something which, because we are not ancients, and because we don't have the same idea of how the stars and the constellations move, and right? You know, the, the, uh, someone uh, living at the time of the Rambam or earlier knew what the Marocha was almost uh, innately because it was part of their, their system of how the stars were placed in the heavens and how everything moves and how the, the Shefa that's coming from, from them. That's this Marocha, similar to this week's Parsha, which we talk about the Marocha on the Mizbeach, right? So um, you know, to be Mishade that Marocha um, meant one thing in the time of uh, the Tkufa of Chazal, I think for us, it probably uh, goes into the what we consider the firm laws of physics and uh, you know, maybe even um, quantum physics or any of the principles that are, that's all the maruch, right, so to speak, for, for today. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, there is a challenge in trying to take the, the science of the ancients and, and of the Middle Ages and, and translated into its contemporary corollaries. Okay. And to some extent, um, it doesn't work quite as well as, um, you know, one might hope. One, look, the fact of the matter is, is that you have two planets. You don't have, not all the planets directly influence, uh, influence what happens here on planet Earth, but two definitely have a t- tremendous impact. There's the sun, which is the source of everything. Okay, and all the energy that animates anything in the world comes from comes from the sun. And then you have the moon that you know flies around and 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 pulls this way and that way. It makes tides rise. It apparently has other has other influences on other kinds of on other kinds of life. But essentially, between the sun and the moon, that's what drives the energy of the of the planet. And 
you know, there's all sorts of variations because let's say the atmosphere heats up more on the equator than it does on, on the, at the poles. And therefore there's circulation of air and then you have shifting seasons because the, because the you know, because the earth um, is tilted on its axis. So you can have shifts of the axis, you can have fluctuations of the magnetic field, you can have, you know, and all of these things do come together in some kind of harmony based upon the location where you're at. Because if you're, let, let's face it, there's some going to be some locations which are more arid, some are locations which are more temperate, some locations which are colder, warmer, infinite, you know, infinite kinds of variability. And the ancients were very familiar with that. They, they attributed it differently than, than we do, obviously. Right. But uh, yeah, I think my but, point, my point, Nelson, is that, that, in, in terms for ourselves to recognize the difference between the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim and what leads into the Torah perspective is that the Marocha, however you want to define it, either in ancient terms or modern terms, because clearly part of what our explorations are, are, are amassing in our mind is the modern-day Marocha. In other words, I'm just trying to take your idea and say part of what what what's demanded from us is in the UK Vovke is 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 more than the knowledge of the Maroch, whatever that Maroch might be for us. And for us it might be again how you know the, the, the movements of, of all the solar systems together and the influences of the gravitational and, and other ideas, even of black holes and other things like that. Uh, it seems like although those things can definitely help you you know, in Avas Hashem, knowing about the greatness of that system, whatever, or the quote-unquote Marocha, what Pesach demands from us is Yudke Vovke, which is, 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 is beyond, is beyond our, um, uh, what we are, are discovering, what we still are trying to piece together about the laws of, of how the universe works. There's Yudke Vodke, which is somehow something we can uh, right, connect to in a way that's beyond. Uh, it, it's easy to say that, I think, um, and be facile, right? Um, it's easy to say that and say, I don't give a damn about science and I don't know anything about it. Just give me Yudke Vodke, right? Um, but, but, but I think that, there, that part of the balance is, is, is knowing the Marocha. And then inserting Yudke Vovke isn't just saying, no. it, isn't, it isn't just dismissing the knowledge of, 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 of gravity and the planets and, and how uh, the whole, the complexity of our, of, of the system that God works through. Maybe, you know, it's still incumbent upon us to enhance our knowledge there. But as we're enhancing it, every Pesach, we end up coming right every Pesach we actually go beyond with the UK Vovke. I'm just trying to put it in perspective here yeah. for us. Well I'll okay so I'm gonna say one last thing, hopefully one last thing. I usually shouldn't say that because I generally add more than one last thing, but uh, <laughs> the biggest the biggest difference between between our contemporary science and ancient science, aside from the fact that you know we happen to believe that uh, the universe does have a beginning, is the the role of chaos and uncertainty in the way that things work. You know, the, the ancients like to look at the, 
the maracha, the system, as, as being kind of like a big computer thing that banged out, you know, that, that, that banged out results in a very, in a very strong causality. And um, we're, we're much more see ourselves at the, at the mercy of a whole lot of randomness that's built into the, built into the universe. So, you know, the sun shining, well, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty standard, but most of the stuff that's going to happen within the system is, is a, is a result of, of something very chaotic you know, beginning, beginning with the weather, but then just, you know, it's a million and one other thing, a million and one factors, more factors than you can ever, than you can ever think of. And they all come together in, in chaotic ways. So, so um, that was, you know, one major difference between the ancient science and contemporary science. In a, in a way, contemporary science is easier for, let's say, somebody like the Ramban to work with, because one of the Ramban's big points is that um, there is such a thing as nisim nistarim, you know, and it's, and if you if you think of the universe as generating um, um, generating ne necessary results, you know, results that you cannot argue with because they're they're programmed in, they're hardwired, and they're going to happen. Okay. You know, it's basically if if you think of things as being very deterministic, so then so then you really have to override the system in order to create something miraculous or something something um, liberating in there. If, on the other hand, you think of the universe as primarily, or what happens on planet Earth anyway, as being primarily driven by randomness, okay, so then randomness is on the one hand meaningless, but it also has the greatest ability to to uh, contain within it. Um, hidden miracles you know and and um so there's all sorts of possibilities within randomness that uh, that when we see them we we perceive something miraculous as opposed to being something meaningless and that becomes a factor of of, uh, of what our state of consciousness is okay so that's the, that's a little bit about about um you know how the how the science versus uh yud kev above k plays out yeah and again I, again you know this is sort of in, in my uh, area a little bit because i you know i give shiram and ramban which of course are available on on the same network here uh highly recommended by the way yeah so <laughs> part, yeah thank you so part of it is what we've been this, exploring and we're exploring it in the last couple of weeks is this idea which which the ramban does say that really there are you know the, even the concept of miracle is really a uh, misnomer the, the, the idea that you know the events of uh, uh, that'll happen, you know, it's when the sun comes and the warmth that, that you get from that, and the the ideas of a normal day are are no more miraculous than the fact that if somebody eats truma and he's a czar, he will die before his time, or the fact that you know God uh, decides that if you to keep Shemitah, you're going to get an incredible bracha during that Shemitah year. He says there really is uh, what, what one has to come into the realization is, is that these constructs of Teva and miracle are really, are really an illusion. That uh, everything is really, there's no, as he says, it's not just that let's see the miracle in nature. Let's see the fact ultimately he implodes the idea of miracle altogether. Because, because it, either nothing is a nothing is a miracle or everything is a miracle. So, and that's why he says really every, point, 
everything is really a god who cares and is running things. It's not like, oh, that's my typical cruise control. Oh, now it's time for me to do a miracle like George Burns in, you know, in his, his role, uh, Larry Gelbart's uh, Academy Award, I think, uh, scripted uh, movie, Oh God. If you remember, you know, George Burns plays a version of God and that God, of course, can do miracle, but is totally, um, you know, in a sense, there's this dichotomy between the Teva and what's happening. Oh, here's miracle now coming in. And oh, now it's time for me to change things up and throw something. Really, from God's perspective, there is no difference. And we need to, we need to understand that. And that is one of the great uh, truths of what Yitzhak Mitzrayim brings to us right and if a person really lives that way there is no split between his religious and what we call his mundane life there's the recognition that every moment is 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 again using you know the chassidim love quoting this special of amateurs and that every single second as the Tanya says there is this recreation of the planet and everything in it. Um, and that is, that's yesh me'ai in every single moment, which if that's one of the things we get out of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, a person is going to walk uh, through his life quite differently um, uh, with, with that type of recognition. Um, I, I, think we're, I think we're on the same page here, right? Yeah. Oh, bye. absolutely. Yeah, well, um, so why don't we talk a little bit about um, and end off this discussion? I mean, obviously, that's a good introduction to what the, the, the significance of ETS Mitzrayim was. Um, and again, I, I have a, a parenthetic question there, which I don't know if we can really give an answer to, which is that you know, as much as the miracles, in a way, were a shattering of the normal rules. In some ways, they sort of were like versions of the same rules. It wasn't like God was creating things that had never, you know, there was not any comparison to. You have blood, yeah. Well, usually the water doesn't turn into blood, but right, but but water turning into ublek didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like 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 the, it didn't turn into something that never existed before. And then, if you would, if, if the Mitzri would drink from it, would somehow eat his face, you know, and, and down to a skeleton. Right? That didn't happen. Like, there wasn't, you know, you know, our imaginations now can think of things way beyond um, the the sort of like uh, the they're sort of tepid, the makos yeah. in our mind. But let me let me ask you something, just in terms of practicals. I want people besides the the, the theoretical, which I think is important. You know, we, we, part of what, what I've tried to stress here is that if you do live the capitalist life, the capitalist perspective, things are going to be different. Um, you mentioned buying matzah. Uh, we mentioned drinking the kosos. Um, we've talked before about how eating means something so much different uh, for a makubal than it does for someone who's just eating in order to serve God and be, be strong. But if you really have some intent here, um, would you say that... Um, you know, there's also, um, you know, some sort of, you know, you know, the, the Kabbalist Seder is is going to be very different, right? If a person, you know, it, it, it might take, you know, would you say uh, some sort of, give me, let, let's take just one, one little mitzvah out of the Seder in a, in a Kabbalistic way and, you know, give somebody, you know, 
a taste of something going on. Okay, so the most important thing is to realize that that uh, the liberation from Mitzrayim requires a change of consciousness. It requires a change of mind before it can actually happen as a change of of um, person's material circumstance. And that's why the revelation of you know Shem Havaya has to come prior to Yitzias Mitzrayim because the, the change in your understanding of who Hakadosh Baruch Hu is is the thing that changes your perception of reality and then changes your reality. And what the Ramban is trying to say is that is that you had amazing miracles at at Yitzias Mitzrayim, but the point is not the miracles themselves. The point is what the miracles teach you about the nature of reality. And it teaches you that there is no reality other than the Ratzon of Akadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, so this takes you this takes you to a to a place where, you know, it's a very very big question. What you know? What does the Ramban believe about the nature of reality? And and ultimately, he's going to tell you that that Yeshmi uh, Ayin means creation out of of being, not from nothing, but from the nothingness of. And so, from the nothingness of a Kaddish Baruch Hu knows that God's being is such that that when it shines, say as a beam of light, it brings reality into existence. It's not apart. Hashem is not apart from reality. He is the emanator of reality through all sorts of different stages. And at some point, at some stage, you definitely get a material universe that seems to be run impersonally based upon cosmic laws or based upon randomness or based upon the, the, the machinations of the gods, whatever, you know, whatever, uh, whatever theory you have to, under, to underlie the natural world. But that is an end result of something which is really a divine expression. And if you can see beyond the, the limitations of this world, then you can perceive that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is expressing himself in everything, which is why Hashgacha Pratis encompasses everything. And which is why, therefore, everything is miraculous. As opposed to, let's say, somebody like the Rambam who, couldn't, you know, who, who doesn't operate this way. He thinks the world is real. He thinks the world is created and objectively real. And the Ramban is saying that creation of an objectively real world is something that we believe in. But the reason why we believe in creation is so that we should be able to see beyond the physically real world and, and perceive the totality of reality as being an interplay between a human being and, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of um, intelligence, the kind of mind that you want to receive at the Leila Seder, and all of the things that you eat at the Leila Seder are ways of ingesting, so to speak, this this truth. Okay, so you start, you know, you start with the four crises. The four crises are four minds, um, which correspond roughly, by the way, to the four parshias of the Tefillin, which is why Tefillin has some connection to the Yitzias Mitzrayim. Also, you know, the first the first cup is is uh, is Kadesh, which is Abba, which is Chachma, and and that's that's really where the Yesh Ayin comes from. That's the Ayin that hides behind the Yesh. And if you if you get those 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 minds of Abba, okay, then you then you really have the essence of liberation. Right? Then you have then you have another mind which comes from Ima, which comes you know that's 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 Bina, and that's Yitzias Mitzrayim because that's liberation. And somehow somehow or another, you, you know you you have to know your limitations in order to be liberated from them. 
So, so Bina is both limitation and the undoing of limitation. And then you have, let's say, um, Da'at, which has two halves. And one half of the dot is chasadim, and the other half of the dot is gurot, which corresponds to shma and v'hayayim shema. So shema is, um, you know, shema is like love Hashem, no Hashem. It's that, that inner sense of conviction that uh, that you can that you can connect to and, and be mitbatel. You can nullify yourself to Hakadosh Baruch Hu in absolute love. And then, uh, and then opposite Shema, you also have Gvura, which is, or Gvurot, which is powers or influences of objectivity and reality, which is where you have Schar Onish. I know that's the free choice that you, you can choose between good and evil. And sometimes, and, you know, and sometimes evil can overtake you. Right? And um, everything, <clears throat> there is another, there are other points of view that you want to avoid on, on, on what's going on over here, but, but at least the Gvurot give you the possibility of understanding that there is another way of looking at it that we're, that we're not going to look at. Okay. So that's, so that's very complex, but those are, those are, those are your four, those are your four minds that are embodied in the, in the, in the Arba crisis. And um, uh, basically it, it, it would be interesting. It, go, it, it it goes Kiddush, Sipur Yitzias, Mitzrayim, Birchas Amoz, and is is uh, is Chasadim of Das, and Halil is the Gvuris of 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 Das, and all of these four. Is, is that, isn't that interesting yeah. that Halil? You know, it, it, I think in the, the common perception of of that state of the Seder is that it's just we're on our way. We're in our, we're on our way. Yemosam Mashiach and beyond. It's it's just praising God. It's Nirza. Right, it's the it's 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 almost like we've left it in the in the in the back mirror all the tsaros. We're now looking at that incredible future, uh, you know, where it's just chasadim. And according to the kabbalistic uh, interpretation, it's really it's gevura of das. It's not as right. Isn't that interesting? Don't you find that uh, interesting? It sounds yeah, like- it is. Uh, it is. It is interesting, and it's also it's also interesting that by the way, those last two crises are are, are generally um, you know crises that people are barely conscious for. <laughs> you know, but they're, but they're really very they're really very important to the to the total thing because you know Chochma and Bina is is also really your transcendent. Uh, you know where you come from, so to speak, but where you navigate in the real world is 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 chasadim and gvuris. So Amirka I mean, is chasadim because Hashem is sustaining you, and you're and therefore your flesh and your body and your everything is is davek in Him if you are sustained by His you know by by His chasadim. Gvuris gives you mitzias, okay. So as mitzias, you have a narrative, and as an, and and eventually. You know, because you have chasadim and gvuris, therefore you know that that there's going to be a good end, and you see the end. So, so in other words, I think the idea is really evil. Without gvuros, what you have is sort of just life without it being crafted into a specific story. What you have is just the power of chius itself. So, really, the the fact that this last coast. Is is the gavurais of das or whatever? Um, it, yes, it is an incredible ending. It is some sort of you know the nirtza of, of of what we what we hope for. 
But that right. itself, and it has to it has to integrate the negativity because there is a neg- there is negativity out there. I mean, this idea of a kaddish baruch who's everything and nothing really exists besides a kaddish baruch happens to be one particular perspective that we have that we've received here. But it's not the only perspective that exists, and somehow or another, we have to we have to figure out how to do something with those other perspectives. Otherwise, we're just navel gazing, right? Or, so, so a lot or of may, or maybe even worse, it's possible that. We don't even exist. We know when, you know, as, as we spoke about our Rebbe the other day, um, that sometimes the, the koach to be mashpia is mavato completely the other thing, right? The or is so right. great, there's no room for an other identity. If the or is is just complete chasodim, just like in the Moshul, you know, you, the guy is giving out $100 bills to everybody on the street, there isn't a real recognition of the significance of the person who's getting it. Whereas if it's tempered, if it's more rachamim, if it's about, oh, uh, let me hear your story. This will pay for the for the chemo. Oh, this will get you through your mortgage. You're actually tempering it towards the individual and actually giving that person a significance. He isn't just a, 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 like a nebish of a being that's only being overwhelmed by chesed. But rather, chesed is really crafted towards the specific story. And in that way, the Gvura really is something that we, we love, we latch onto. Because you, become, you, you become who you are meant to be through Gvura. And, 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 uh, and of course, that always involves taking a risk because if, you, if it's up to you to do it, then there's a risk involved. And somehow or another, because of the Chasodim and the Gvuras together, despite the risk, you can be confident that it's going to turn out well. That's that way, you know, if, if in this Gilgul or in whatever other Gilgul you do it, but it's going to turn out, it's going to turn out good in the end. Okay, so ah. that's a very, that's a very important part of the structure. And therefore, there's no, there's no real serious discussion of Gula Smitzrayim without talking about the, without the Gula Hasidis, you know, the Benisan Nigaluva, Benisan Asidim Lehigoel. Right, and before, and there's one other thing that I really, really must say, okay, and that is that since we're talking about, since we're talking about the the moichin or the minds or the consciousness of the of the of the crisis, so all of that really is, it's all in ima, it's all in bina, it's the chachma of bina, it's the bina of bina, it's the it's the chasadim of bina, the gvur is the bina, the the place where you get the real moichin, the real minds of chachma. Which is the real yeshmiayin? That's in the matzah. So maybe we'll maybe we'll leave that for next week. Then we'll talk about okay. we'll talk sure. about so to, the, the yayin. Although you know you would have thought you know as it's uh, somehow the yayin mishumar that it's somehow uh, the experience of yayin, the act of what it does, the alcohol aspect, the 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 the. Lowering and deterioration of inhibitions and and other things, you would think works just like you know it works on our perception and our our absorbing these ideas in a in a different way because we are you know, we're, we're, we're we are allowing the wine and the drinking of the wine to change us as we drink these cups, right? It's obviously it's, it's giving us more of a of, of an ability to perhaps perceive things in a way that aren't just your, 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 your usual factor of one plus one equals two. So wine is the, is the vehicle for these four, the four moichen in that way. 
right? It, it probably right. couldn't be anything else. Uh, just considering Indeed. that, the, considering where you are at the end, whereas and, and just setting you the table for matzah, matzah is so is, is almost the opposite of yayin, right? It's almost the yes. opposite in, in the sense. Well, it's always lechem v'yayin, you know. So lechem, lechem, and lechem v'yayin are are also two sides of the same thing, you know. And, and um, I, so I, anyway, I, but I think our matzah, I think our matzah. Especially, it's like, in other words, the, the Sephardi matzah is. is have you ever ever had soft matzah? Yes, I have. I have had soft matzah. We and and it, it, it clearly, you know, coming. I know that you appreciate archaeology and history and the tr- what we call the truth of what occurred. That's what the matzahs probably looked like. It didn't look like what you bought today in Ashkelon in that cardboard no, box. No, I'm, pro- I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to have some, some soft matzahs also, even though, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole raid, whether in Ashkenazi is allowed to be Samech on the Masaris Yes. You- whether, whether in Ashkenazi is, is allowed to be, is allowed to be Samech on, uh, on the uh, soft matzahs. But um, yeah, I got I got a psak that the that the answer is yes. It's far to know what they're doing. Ashkenazim lost the lost the Messiah. Right. It was it was all part of well. Let's let, let's put it in perspective. You know. Part of it was fear of of chametz and and an inability, like you say, to make the matzah properly. And um, obviously, in a mass production, um, it's much easier to come up with these crackers. Uh, yeah. Than it is the government. But but I, but I guess what my point is, and I know you were wanting to say one last thing, but my point. Kairich, is... Kairich. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, I mean, how 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 Kairich bothered me all through my school years. Right, what right, is this Kairich? It's not right. Kairich. It's crumbling. Right. How can you make a? Like, how can part. you make a... Yeah, it's, it's a rock. On, yeah. Why but, call that? Why call that Kairich? But but I think even if you have the original matzah, for sure the matzahs that, that we Ashkenazim eat, we have a such a different experience than the uh, than what what yayin does, and therefore I'm sure that you know that that physical experience and what that does for you even internally, in terms of nutrition and, and sense of satisfaction, the way it provides the satisfaction, um, differently than the wine does. Um, which sort of like hits you in some part of your brain that you don't need anything more. You're you're, you're taken care of, um, yeah. and, the, and I'm sure that that is also reflected in in, in, in something that 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 is based on uh, a kabbalistic or just a mystical kabbalistic perspective. Well, so it's, it's a it's, it's really it's really very straightforward. Right? You okay. Know, if you you you're eating you're eating listen, bread feeds the mind. Okay. We can, we eat starch. Because starch gives you the ability to to cogitate. Okay, that's you know, your brain takes up a lot of calories. So if you want to if you want to know something, that's that's dagan. That's that's those are five kinds of five kinds of grain. And if you if you're eating chametz, you're eating grain that is imbued with a sense of spaciousness. It's spacious. It's all it's all it's all puffed up, like the universe is all puffed up. You know, like. You know, in, the universe is full of empty space. There's suns, and there's planets, and there's things, and everything is spinning around inside all of this empty space, which makes it, you know, which gives rise to all the factors that determine how how things are playing out, which we are basically seen, see ourselves as subject to. 
Ma Kane, if you if you realize that everything is a Kaddish Baruch Hu, so then there also is no space. Ultimately, there's one God. Everything is everything is Him. You and Him, each individual person, and Am Yisrael collectively with Hashem are in a network of myriad relationships in which each one is meaningful and not random. And therefore, there is no space. That whole sense of alienation and emptiness that the universe is full of. The, diff- the distance between a person and a Kaddish Baruch Hu is nothing. And that's the, that's the, the, the lack of space that, that matzah has. You're eating bread, you're eating that sense of spaciousness, you're eating matzah, you're eating that sense of, of the nullification of space. And therefore, matzah is the taste of ayin. It's the taste of, it's the taste of, of itpatlut, of giving yourself over to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's the, it's the, it's the taste of freedom of absolute freedom, which is even beyond the freedom of, that is, can, can be given to you by the yain, by the wine of, of, uh, of uh, Bina. Right. right, because the wine ultimately, as we said, leads to a, a, a future that we can craft, that we can actually put in terms, whereas hisbatlus means you're almost, in fact, inverting uh, creation, right? Hisbatlus yeah. towards, towards that in terms of the, the structure of where creation is supposed to go, that matzah. But it, the ultimate das is, is bonding with God in a way that there is no separation almost between mm-hmm. God. Right. That's my das, so, is, is the chibur. Okay. Right. So tam, tam matzah is, okay, is tam acherus. And that's why there's a tremendous emphasis in halach on tam matzah. You know, the last thing that you taste before you go to bed should be tam matzah. And most people would be very happy to give that up taste something else you know but uh right right of course again and maybe all right good let's let's leave some more let's leave it here the, let's leave some more on the plate for next time for the before we get to the optic omen take yeah, care talk everybody to, talk about carpas oh, i'll yeah. come back next week for carpas all right so thanks for joining us for another episode from the yeshiva of newark at idt podcast be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode Thank you.